For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony, trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at clevertap.com. That's clevertap.com. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Everyone, welcome to Webcology and WMR.FM. It's the 30th of September, 2021. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And uh, we got a new format going. You heard the first of it last week, and uh, we're going to get into no commercials. We're going to be talking straight for a full hour. So fill your coffees up. Um, show hosts, you better run to the washroom because it's too late now. Um, I got a I got a beer stein for my coffee. <laughs> That's how serious I'm taking it this whole hour. So um, it's been you you remember when I, I wrote to you the other day, Dave, the other day, Dave, saying unless something extraordinary happens, why don't we do our show on this next week? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, Google showed us yesterday what something extraordinary <laughs> is. <laughs> um, totally would have changed the direction of next week. We're probably doing a show on mental health and that's something extraordinary happens, but it's a topic mm -hmm. we've really got to talk about. Um, but Google mom, 
re re um are they reskinning search entirely because uh, mum is such a bringing the multitask unified model uh, ai model into search is going to fundamentally change the way google facilitates search that's big yeah i mean obviously i mean you know my my penchant for um machine learning models and and those sorts of things um I obviously was super stoked. And here's what I love most about what uh, what we're seeing here. Isn't just, hey, we're seeing some machine learning. Like we've seen that before and we've seen it a bunch of times, right? Like what we're seeing with what they were previewing there is a deep, very user-centric combination of NLP and CV, uh, sorry, uh, natural language processing and computer vision. Like we're, we're, we're seeing sort of the, the blending of the two of these disciplines, like machine learning disciplines um, into one, because that's how humans are, right? Like that's, there are things that I, I, I convey better with words or text. Um, and, and there are things that I convey or, or process better with images. Um, and, and, and we're really, really seeing that. I think this is what it was designed to be. Um, and they even gave some hints, um, in, in, in some of it, and it, it's in the write-up over at search engine land. I mean, everybody did a write-up on it, right? But the one that I was, I was reading and sort of like digesting, uh, most thoroughly was the one that George, hope I pronounce this right, Nugent, um, mm -hmm. had, uh, written up for search engine land, um, is the insights and little almost breadcrumby hints, um, as to what this means for SEOs. Um, and not just what it means in a, gee, this is sort of a brave new world, <laughs> you know, kind of thing where optimization is different. Um, but in a, the more things change, the more they stay the same they, sort of way. Thinking that exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, but they are also talking about new search features, right? Like the, the actual construct of a, of a results page um, will have some enhancements. Yeah, nothing oh, worth shattering, but but some enhancements and well, and no, and, 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 okay, that's okay. You wrote an article the other day, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. And the one thing that one line you had was just like all about what the one reviewer isn't going to change like a certain ranking. He's going to change all rankings. Big <laughs> drama, and you know what? I think this big butterfly effect sort of drama thing also applies here. In the way Google is going to be like facilitating search by letting people seriously drill down into um, specific topics that uh, people might follow if they were exploring uh, uh, this topic or to zoom in or zoom out to like broaden your topical focus. And more importantly, the visual exploration, being able to not just search through pictures, but facilitate asking a question with a visual reference to um to, to aid the aid the query this is going to change the way people do search and it'll fundamentally change results sets i think no this mm -hmm. is this, this is huge this is gonna have a butterfly effect like 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 it's impossible to imagine or to to, to protect oh uh, indeed i mean i, I picture a, a world and and it, it constantly gets it's getting faster and it's constantly tailoring to the way we operate, right? Like I, I see this is one of the first big leaps. I, I think if it goes the direction, I think it's going to, and I've, I've been wrong on that before. Like we all have, right? Like it's like, this is going to be a big leap. And then it's like, uh, 
not with a bang, but with a whimper, right? Like it's sort of where it, it doesn't, it's not as impactful as one might think. I think this one will be, however. Um, but I see a world where, you know, you could sort of just quickly point your camera to thing and go, what is this? Right. And it, it'll answer it. There are some capacities for that now, but that's sort of what they're getting at, right? Like in, in one of their examples is right. Rather than trying to like start your query and then figure out what this bike part is and then figure out how to fix it. Just being able to like basically take a picture of that, you know, whatever part of your bicycle is broken in their example and just type in, how do I fix this? Right. And, and then it will fill in the blanks. It absolutely makes sense. And we've been talking about this repeatedly on this show for a good few years, right? Like this is entities. It just needs to know what is this thing. It's a named entity and then connect that to how do I fix this? Well, how do I fix what? This, this entity. If we, <laughs> the, the if, we keep, if we keep going on this path, 10 years from now for five bucks, Google will print this thing for you on your at-home Google printer. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, that too is a very valid point. I have a 3D printer and you, By the way, you Google, can do a lot with it. That one's free, but if you want any more <laughs> development tips, you have to hire us. <laughs> um, but that, I, again, I think this is amazing. And, and, and that was a silly example I just threw out there, but it's a silly and completely feasible example of something like that that can come from this. Indeed. Now, one of the things that really excites me, I mean, because so far, the things that we're talking about, like as far as I'm an SEO, right? Like, so, so there we go. Um, a lot of this is a, the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? Like all I'm doing is saving a user sort of some steps, but at the end of the day, they would go, they would look up what this bike part is, go, how do I fix bike part X? Fine. Like I'll, I'll, I'm still optimizing for that query to rank for that query, right? Like that's, that, that's at the, at the nuts and bolts. The optimization is, is at its core the same, other than the fact that, you know, things like image and video optimization just amped up a whole bunch because wouldn't it be great if you have the shot at the right angle that they can detect on your site that you have the answer to this question with the image that they drew from it. I, I imagine that'll be an element in there. But what I am excited about, because it's sort of that like, oh, I, I think I know what I need to do now. And I'm already starting to like figure out how to do this is their discussion about launching things to know, um, you know, sort of element or, or cert feature. Um, where like in, in their example, somebody's typed in acrylic painting and then it goes down to a things to know. And then there's like step-by-step -step styles using household items, right? Like it, it actually goes into subset featured snippets basically is, is where might like. you go. If you're looking for, if you're looking for stuff about acrylic painting. acrylic painting, exactly. Now, knowing that's coming, putting on our thinking caps and going, okay, on my top level subject, what would the things to know be and how do I make sure that I have optimized for those within my content? You should have already because it's things you should know related to your top level content. Chances are you have it somewhere in there, but have you made it very, very clear to Google that you have it in a structure that will work well, right? So basically, this, are you optimizing for featured snippets? But this is- So what a, you're saying, this isn't changing how we're doing SEO. This is changing how people are coming and 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 the ways that they can discover and access pages we're we're we're, we're working on. Well, indeed. But what's like to me, what's most exciting about it? I mean, this is just me. Um, is we have queries with incredibly high search volumes. Acrylic painting, right? Like, would be in that niche one of the highest query 
volume types. I don't know the volume off the top of my head, but it's a general term. It'll be higher than, than m most of the subsets of it. Now you have the opportunity to rank on the first page, even though the answer you're giving is just the best answer for a subset query using Indeed. household items, for example. So it, it's a, a real opportunity if you optimize correctly to get some really front and center, like near the top of the first page um, exposure um, without you know, having to compete on that battleground to getting the most generic, which you might not apply to, but that user has gone, oh, I care using household items. Now you apply to that. So it's, it's sort of giving a, a little visibility to subsets of, of information and letting the user define what it is that they want. I, I think it's a real opportunity for searchers and um, search marketers. Yeah, indeed. And just to, 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 to um, further your example, the page that is most relevant for acrylic paint might be somebody's somebody else's page on acrylic paints, but your page might be on how to apply the acrylic paint, and that might provide a better answer to a question that, uh, or a subset of questions that, that, that somebody's asking if they're interested in, say, acrylic paint. Yeah. Neat that Google will mix and match uh, results um, from... Uh, different pages underneath a different result set. And that harkens back to um, uh, passages, you know, just being able to pull mm -hmm. little paragraphs. And Google was talking about this stuff. I remember Google talking about this stuff like a decade ago, um, but not actually, but it wasn't actually doing it. But I remember them saying, we're going to be able to, uh, to be able to, 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 to pull a paragraph off your page and rank that content. Um, this is again the. Uh, I feel I feel like this is a watershed moment because I think sometime and here here's the here's the thing here's Google's weasel words are we're, we're doing this sometime in 2022, <laughs> so it's coming you know, um, I honestly I think it's going to be a watershed moment in search though because it's going to change the way searchers search, which means it'll change the way they think about search and probably compose their searches. Well, and it's something else that I'm going to find interesting. And I have no prediction for it. I haven't even given it a lot of thought. In fact, it was during our, our chat here right now. Uh, chat. During our podcast. Um, <laughs> so we, for listeners who don't know, Jim and I have been friends for years. So it's just nice to chat with you every week. Uh, it's a weekly but, conversation, yeah. <laughs> but what does this mean for devices as well? Um, you know, Does this mean we're going to be pushing devices in a different direction if all of a sudden the way people are interacting with those devices is different. Is this going to push um, our, our devices into search right now using functions that are already built into all of them, but will all of a sudden we need to um, enhance what our devices are capable of or, or just add in different sort of nuanced adjustments, make it easier to make, uh, you know, sort of a 360 video or, uh, you know, on that bike part, why make it just a picture? Why not let you create like a quick few second video where you're sort of like moving you know, your camera around it so that Google can then, you know, extrapolate, oh, okay, not these eight things that are in this picture. It's specifically this one. And in case I couldn't catch it from this one angle, now I have sort of a more 3D view of it, right? Are these going to be things that change in the devices? And, and I think that's also an exciting, well, exciting do, do, angle. Do you see the energy that uh, Boykin over at the Ninjas, he's putting into his new <laughs> VR company? Yeah. Why do you think he's doing that? Um, one of the cool things about, about Boykin is he's always been able to see where the ball's going to be um, before it gets there. Um, I think he's throwing a lot of energy into VR besides the fa fact that the multiverse, multiverse is really cool. Um, 
the multiverse is going to be the internet that we relate to someday very soon. And all this work about ascribing description to entities, about being able to figure out what is what is who, where, at what point, is all about placing things in context um, in whatever environment you find them in, be it a, um, a data stream um, in HTML, in text in HTML, or soon to be in the future as a node point in a virtual reality multiverse. Mm -hmm. um, this is, this is going to be here a lot sooner than um, I think people realize. And the, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and be the crazy guy with the long beard. Um, Mum is a important step on that on the way there. Indeed, and, and one thing like we're we're talking about something that's incredibly complex, right? And there's there's a bunch of different moving targets, and I catch myself doing that. I'm thinking about like a million different things that it could possibly be. But what's really really interesting about evolutions like this, and I, I do view it very much like you're calling it a watershed moment. I do think this integration will be a big, it'll be what rank brain was, right? Like just this yeah, yeah. massive leap forward in, in what their capabilities are. Uh, but one of the things I find funny is I tend naturally to make these much more complicated because they are incredibly complicated. And I think of all the different like angles of things that we should all be considering, but boiling it all down, if we just listen to what Google's been telling us to do for years, <laughs> produce the content in a way that's easy to understand for your audience in the format they want it, <laughs> right? Answering the questions they have about it. We, we've pretty much covered everything that we've just talked about right now. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> well, except one, there's one more thing you got to do. And this, this, this might be part of covering all the bases, but a lot, this is a base that a lot of SEOs haven't gotten into covering it. And that's Google Merchant Center. Mm. Um, it's think of Google Merchant Center as a not a magic data feed because there's actually quite a bit of identifying work you got to do in there. But um, think of it as a way to get your product feeds into Google in the way Google wants to read it now. It's yeah. important. It's it, Jim. It, it's been like a, a really easy advantage, Jim. Why are you telling everybody about this? Because <laughs> Google's been accentuating uh, Merchant Center. Uh, quite a bit the last week. And um, I think they're trying to tell us something, Dave. And if we don't tell them, if we don't tell the audience first, somebody else will, because <laughs> it's, it's out there now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it is for, for users. I'm, I've been playing around with it on a paid search side for years, organic, since they, they ruled it out into the organic, by the way, a lot more traffic on the paid side. Um, but you're, you're right. It, it is a very, 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 um, helpful and lucrative area. Um, and you know what, heck, free tip. Even if you're not big and interested in PPC, give it a try on the shopping side <laughs> because the, 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 the conversion rates and, and CPAs are, are quite different over there. Um, Google has, uh, how, how to say this? Google has been telling us to use structured data for over a decade now. They've been um, hammering on it for the last five to seven years. And Merchant Center is one of their ways of trying to make it easier for people. Because mm -hmm. um, they think they're just, they're just getting sick of it, Dave. They're getting sick of this. this <laughs> and they just want us to do it. <laughs> yeah. 
problem. They want clarity and they want to be able to see data in uh, in a way that, that, that it's easy for them to read, figure out, sort, and most importantly, um, identify to any given object or entity in their in their database um and that all comes down to um uh i, I don't want to use conformity but to a conformity of code yeah yeah i mean you know it, it, it's touching on so many subjects that we're covering here but they're all so heavily related that i can see how we're like just sort of like well, it's one of those days um but yeah like when we when we think about schema and and we can go all the way back to mum and i mean i've been having a ton of fun with schema lately but um mm -hmm. so folks if you're not playing around with it oh my god um, it, it's great <laughs> um it's the but, new css don't you know <laughs> not the, or the new rss feeds don't you know yeah it kind of is you know in a except maybe even more powerful um oh, like fire hose powerful yeah but it it ties in directly with what we were talking about earlier right mom what does mom rely on mom relies on really understanding what a subject is right like when you take that picture of that bike part for that example it's going to run a whole great algorithm over this thing and go how confident am i that i understand what bike part the question how do I fix this is being asked about can it identify what that is I assume that it would have like a fail safe like I don't even know what you're doing can you get closer to it and, and point at it um you know that's when we get into things like schema that's exactly what we're doing is we're going this is that thing right I mean we've talked about this on the show a few times but um you know I've been playing around with the how-to schema and stuff a, a lot more often lately and Sure enough, yes, you do rank a little better for things like ex with examples or with tutorials, right? Like you, you just do because you've gone, this is a tutorial. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. We've been, <laughs> our job is about clarity. That's yeah. the, most, the most important part of the SEO's job um, is, I mean, besides, besides reporting, the most important part of the <laughs> SEO's job is clarity, making Google understand what's on this page. Um, or or object or site or image or whatever you're trying to get into the index and rank because mm -hmm. if Google knows what's there and it's actually useful it'll probably rank well it'll mm -hmm. probably draw traffic that's our job schema is the best way to do that no question about that yeah um, it's, it's the most efficient most thorough fire hose of data you can give Google in the way Google wants it yeah, that's that's uh, uh, really just the, the click notes it right there. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting how this this show thus far, and I'm sure we'll, we'll be covering some other topics, folks. But um, yeah, it has really just been about the the clarity um, of offering a machine the information that they need to digest on and being rewarded for doing it. Um, speaking of, if you want to think about um, structured data and well, demonstrating. Um authoritativeness, expertise, trustworthiness, or whatever, check out um, Search Engine Journal. Um, about two, three hours ago, Lily Ray threw up a piece going through different types of schema and their utility um, for demonstrating um, expertise or, or authoritativeness. Ooh, see, I hadn't even seen that. So that well worth awesome. the read. Um, I've only read half of it because we had to go to air and I, I just discovered it well doing a you know last minute sweep of the news um but it's a good piece and again she goes through different types of schema um and and why this type might be 
useful um, for 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 um, different applications that she she makes examples of. Um, moving on, a couple a couple of quick short pieces. Um, so, uh, this might surprise some people out there, but Google doesn't really give a damn about your duplicate content. <laughs> I mean, it does in that it doesn't want to rank it against somebody else's duplicate content, but it's not going to kill you for it, um, especially if it's like duplicate product content, because let's face it, Google's seen just so damn much of it. Um, did, you, did you see the, 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 the piece of John, uh, John Mueller's response to, uh, to somebody's question on, on dupe content? I hadn't actually seen it until you had shared it just uh just right to right before uh, before we went on here, um, and when we think about it, doesn't that make sense? Well, yeah. Um, so the important thing isn't the duplicate content. I mean, again, you don't want it. You do want to avoid it. You want to have original content that's better for you. But we're talking about stuff that's that's that Google's not going to kill you for this. Google looks at it in a couple of different ways, um, and to, to to read directly from what uh, what John Mueller said. With duplicate content, we have essentially two roughly different things that we look at. On one hand, we check uh, to see if the whole page is the same. And that's including everything like the header and the footer, the address of the store and all that sort of stuff. So, so he, what they're, they're trying to do to make sure that, like, is this an exact duplicate of mm -hmm. Joe's uh, car lot over in, uh, in Swansea, Ontario? If it is, then you're probably ripping off Joe's car lot, and you're not 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 a cool page to rank. Um, they're also looking to see if you're just taking content out of the manufacturer's website or being fed content from the manufacturer's uh, website. The description is the same, but the address and the footer and other stuff is different. So that's a different kind of duplicate content, and. Um, Maybe your car lot is uh, has the exact same as Bob's car lot over in Swansea, but it's uh, but your, yours serves the Detroit area, and the search coming from Detroit makes your car lot with your crap ass duplicate content still useful to the person doing the search. Duplicate content ain't gonna kill you, but. If the person was searching for a Ford Fiat and you had really good original content on Ford Fiats, you might have ranked higher or gotten results for different types of queries. But the duplicate content didn't kill you. There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I mean, of course, that's a great way to sort of view it. Like, and if we really think about it, if, if I have a car lot and there's 11 in my city, and all of us are using the exact same content, the battleground lies elsewhere, right? Like yes. if, if we're all using the manufacturers, there is no differentiator. And so the battleground is other, other search functions. You know, now you would get down into that true tiebreaker. Well, core web vitals, right? Like stuff like that's going to start kicking in and going, okay, I'm the tiebreaker. Um, whereas, yeah, if you, if you enhance, like you, you can look at a site like Amazon, which actually has a lot of duplicate content. <laughs> like in their product descriptions, a lot of that is is just duplicated manufacturer information, 
right? Or, or provided by whatever reseller it is, but the reseller is using it on their own site too. But they've enhanced that with like a lot of customer reviews and a lot mm-hmm. of ratings and like a lot of supplemental information. So Google can look at Amazon and go, yes, the manufacturer's information is good to have right from the manufacturer. This is how the manufacturer describes their product, but they've taken that and they've leveled it up by putting a bunch of user-based um, information in there um, and making it a really good experience for people who want to find what other things might go with it or just go, okay, well, I've seen that keyboard, right? Off I go to look at another one. I was just looking at keyboards earlier. So that's why that's top of mind. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's um, you know, it's not even, I think that duplicate content is fundamentally bad to, to his point. If all you have is that, then you're all just the same. And the person who comes up with something it's really easy to beat you because the person that just adds a little bit more wins. Um, but if you're using that and adding, this is just an, in my opinion, and adding to that, but using the authoritative content that say a manufacturer has provided, great. But what else do you bring into the table? And that's where the, the, and the you know differentiator comes in. I, I'm going to sound crass. I, I, I'm, and it's, <laughs> I, I, it comes down to money. Like who brings, <laughs> who wants to spend to produce the better product. And if you just want, if you don't want to invest in your, um, in content creation, or you don't want to invest in making your page that much faster, cleaner, easier to use, um, or attractive, be it from a, a information standpoint or just a usability standpoint, then the next website that's just like yours, then yeah. And like Dave says, you're just like all the rest. And honest to goodness, unless there's a, very compelling reason for Google to care. Why should Google care? Right. Um, there's no reason to. So put in the effort. And the hard truth is effort comes at a cost. You have to invest in your store. If yeah. you don't, then people don't want to be there. Uh, or Google don't want to be there or whatever. But um, you've mu- you got to bring that to the table. Okay, so duplicate content. We've we've covered that one. Um, <laughs> now this, this is an interesting one. Um, it was asked about a. Uh, it was asked of John Mueller by a resort owner, uh, somebody somebody who rents out um, uh, resort uh, uh, accommodations at, at at resorts, and it was about search intent and how Google sees like the the intent of uh, of keywords, keyword phrases. Um, or, or even search search users themselves. Google understands that people and their search and the int- the words that they use might change over time with intent. So, where Google understands that this combination of words is a um, prompt of sorts, searchers are looking for a type of result when they type "how to do." That might change over time. A decade from now, that that how-to might mean something completely different to the bulk of searchers. Um, interesting that Google is able to uh, to suss out the nuances of what people mean and um, apply it to to their impression of queries. Um, which makes me wonder how Google stores its impressions of things. It actually remembers how it feels about queries. You have one unheard message. 
Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. That's funny because I, I interpret it a little bit differently than that. Same okay. basic conclusion, though. It's one of those great things about, about SEO, right? It's like, and we all came to the conclusion. We, we can... We might have come to the conclusion a little bit differently, but 10 years from now, us is in exactly the same spot, regardless of which of us <laughs> or, or whether there's a third possibility. Um, but I, I more took it as a, they're constantly on the fly figuring out what the intent might be. So it's not that they're remembering. It's just that 10 years from now, they'll be oh, using different sure. data and so relying on that. Either way, it would be interesting. And you know, that's probably a short-sighted view on my part, because of course they're going to look at history, if nothing else, and to go, can we predict what 20 years from now, you know, how that arc in the change of the way people look for information is. For example, as we were discussing earlier in the show, the way people look for information might start involving pictures and videos, <laughs> like, which, I mean, it has kind of in a very crude way till now, but, um, you know. No, but again, now when you can use an image and add a uh, query combined to that image mm -hmm. yeah that that radically changes the way people look for stuff it uh obviously gonna radically change the stuff people look for for good and for ill um but uh i misquoted myself when i used the word remembered remembered makes it sound like google actually cares google doesn't care exactly google is concerned what it thinks we care about, but it it in itself doesn't give a damn. <laughs> right, it's <laughs> truth. Um, except for us, Google loves us. Of course. Um, where to next? Uh, Google doesn't see behind captchas. Right, captcha up. You stop Google dead in its tracks. Google doesn't know how many stop signs are there in that photo. It just shows the whole damn thing is a stop sign. Yeah. I mean, that's always a funny one because I'm like, you know what? I guess when it really boils down to it, all of us here are training machine learning models all day. <laughs> we're think? all just doing that all the time. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> do you think? But, my goodness. Like... Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is one of the like fundamentals of actually anybody who does like SEO on JavaScript sites will go, I could have predicted that and, and I knew that uh, because Google doesn't interact and that's a strength and a weakness. You can, you can use that as a pro and a con depending on how you want to do it. In fact, we touched on that. Um, I think it was last week or the week before we were talking about John Mueller um, commenting on does pre-rendering need to include all mm -hmm. the functionality, right? And it's like, no, it doesn't because Google's not interacting um, in that way. So 
very clearly, no, we, it, it's not interacting with that. So how would it know? Now there's ways to get around that, but you probably shouldn't, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, um, and, 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 it, you know, just understanding that, yeah, you're, you're going to be blocking, uh, you know, something significant. If you need Google to see what's on the other side, you're going to need to either come up with a workaround, um, like sort of a, is this a bot? Let it through, um, sort of side. I don't prefer that because they might send through like a different bot to double check at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah, we should probably, you, you know, now that you mentioned it, I didn't ever really occur to me, but now that you mentioned it, we should probably tell people do not do this to block Google as a, you know, instead of using, say, a robots directive in your uh, in the head section of the page. Right. The robots directive is a much smarter tool right? <laughs> and you can control it. <laughs> yeah. Now at the same time, I guess if you want to block bots, technically speaking, a robots directive is a suggestion or captcha just, they have no idea what to do with that because they're not engaging with it. So I guess it's, it's, Technically, get the job done. Maybe a little bit better. You're just going to inconvenience your users while you're while you're trying to get that done. But um, you but will yeah, log I mean, away sections of your website without <laughs> meaning to. Indeed, and you know I don't like workarounds anyway. There are calls for recaptchas. Um, you know this isn't one. Although I can't think of like a lot of cases where I've had one and then really need Google to see what's on the other side. Do I really need them to see? Thank you for signing up for our newsletter. Like I, I don't know that. Most of the time, this is a critical page, but there, there are definitely some times where I could see that it actually being something that uh, that you need uh, or that you want Google indexing on the other side. So here's a kind of cool one. Um, you know, uh, Google result cards, the information that you can get by clicking on the little more button or the little three little dots that are beside a uh, yeah. To the top right of a search result. Yeah. They've been around for a long time. I mean, you used to be able to get to Google Cache and to Google's cache of a page or to look up uh, when Google last spidered a page. You used to be able to see that from the uh, result card. Mm -hmm. They're about to get a lot deeper. They're about to start giving a, a lot more information, um, much like we were talking about with uh, with with what Google's um, going to be doing in result sets with, uh, with Mum. Um, Google result cards are going to give you much more information on uh, where Google uh, first saw the page, like how Google discovered the page that you're looking at, what other people from other domains have said about this page. If there's review information Google can give out, they're going to give it out on the result card. Um, all sorts of data. Um, so you're getting, don't know how... Um, important the data Google is giving back to the user is to Google itself? Like, is this signal information or clues or anything? But Google's giving you an indication of what it knows um, about the website and stuff related to the website. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I don't like. I obviously like it, um, but I, I right because like more information is better. Yeah. Um, I do wonder. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how this is taken over time. Like, if we start to hit other, um, you know, sort of, I shouldn't call them like crisis points, but you know, high emotional points um, where where people are very passionate about whatever their view is. Um, is this going to be, is it going to be an area of perceived biases? And I, I don't even know how that will oh. happen, but I do wonder um, if they expand it too much further, if all of a sudden it will be one of those areas. I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily because there's already perceived biases all over the place. Like, I mean, I don't even mean well, everybody. The, the keyword the here is perceived because yeah. Google's yeah, a yeah, machine. Yeah. Oh, indeed. I, I'm not actually saying the bias would be there. Although one can argue all machines are biased, but I'm not even saying that it's real, but just anytime a human being encounters something that contradicts what they believe to be true, you, and especially by an I mean, automated system, if, you're if, like, it's if, biased. If, if someone's going to find a conspiracy in, uh, in, uh, it Google's, uh, 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 result, uh, excuse me, in Google's result cards, uh, yeah. imagine what they would do with, like, uh, Screaming Frog or Majestic data. <laughs> like, oh, my God, their heads would explode. It's yeah. connected to what? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God, those guys linked to them 15 years ago? Oh! You know, they'd, they, they, they'd go ape. Yeah, real data sucks. But... <laughs> uh, oh, speaking of real data and Majestic... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not so sure we can speak of real data in Majestic. Like, we could try, but I don't know if it's relevant or not. I don't know if I should have said that or not, but has anybody noticed kind of a lag in uh, in, in data uptake? I don't at know. Majestic? Yeah. Oh, I don't use Majestic. Um, I don't um, know. There's people are thinking about such things. I can tell you because I know I am. Um, I, I, I think there's a small lag in... Um, um, chasing after big sections of the web oh <laughs> like that may be a problem um but you know what i know they've been expanding a lot of stuff because we've covered them a few times and you know obviously i pay attention to what they're doing they've, they've expanded quite a bit um so it wouldn't surprise me to go to find out okay one of their crawlers is like sort of hit a hiccup or or just um, has collected so much data it's taking like processing like post-processing is taking a while to actually figure out what to do with it and get it in there well long-term long-term supporter and uh patron of so that's nothing altogether uh saw the piece that you wrote on the search quality raiders guide the other day yeah that was a that was a fun little piece um I, I, I do got to tease you about that one, that one little the, the string of drama that was there, where it's just like the, the Raiders uh, 
won't affect any one individual ranking. They'll affect all of them. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I, I honestly, I laughed out loud when I read that. I was thinking of you writing that, the, the grin on your face when you wrote that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's appropriate. That's uh, that that actually that tracks the, the entire picture you have painted in that story is, is about right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of how I, I view it. The quality raters, I mean, that's been a big issue, right? Like with people like, and do they actually impact rankings? No, they don't. Right. And these are guidelines. These are not, you know, hard and fast rules, right? Like these are Google wants to see exactly. And there's going to be outliers and there's going to be exceptions. There's going to be cases where they're giving their like raters this guideline and going, this is what we want to see But the raters probably going to have to make a judgment call when they actually land at something that technically would violate the guidelines or maybe not violate, but technically get a lower rating, but look and go, wow, that is just like, it's outside of what we would normally have expected to see. And it just nails it. Right. Like, so, you know, it, it's not, it's not a perfect document by any, I mean, that's why they keep updating it. Right? Like, mm-hmm. It's not a perfect document. Their algorithm is not a perfect algorithm. That's why they keep introducing stuff like mom, right? Like that's just how all of this operates. Well, um, that's also what sci- that's science. They come up with new stuff and, um, you know, they, they experiment with it. They perfect it, introduce it. Indeed. Um, but there's a, a lot of value, I think, from 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 reading it, from understanding it. Or, folks, let's be honest, you can just read a 14-minute summary that I wrote. Um, <laughs> you know what? Your 14-minute summary prompted me to go read the 175-page document. And, and to be honest, I skimmed through vast sections of it. Um, but I did look at every one of those 775 pages, right. at least glanced at it. Um, and you know what? It was a good exercise. I'm really, really glad I did. I understand um, better what Google wants to see or how Google wants to see its search engine perform. How would you describe the job of a quality rater? Like, I know you just described it, but on radio, how would you describe it? Yeah, it's, I think, understanding what their interface looks like, like when they're actually rating things on the on the back end. Basically, I mean, I, I'm just relying on the pictures that, that they're producing, but basically they're given sort of like a, a slider. And it's like, how does this hit like needs met, right? And, and those sorts of things, like each of these functions of a page that they're trying to get their raters to quantify or, or qualify in, in some way. Um, they, they, they have sliders and I assume different different mechanisms, but basically it's it's a pretty hard and fast grading system that you could then put a machine on and go, when we see this, this is the the sort of ratings that we're given, right? Like they're not actually having to go through and view each one individually. They're just sort of going like crunching the numbers in the background and going, this is what a good page looks like. This is what a medium page looks like. This is what a bad you, page looks like. Do you think any of the uh, tens of thousands of, of, of hired Google quality raters actually know the relative ranking of the page they're rating? I don't think so, because I think that would put a natural bias on them. Um, like, I, I suspect that even when Google is asking them to judge, say, a results page, for example, um, I suspect that they're giving them a fake page, right? Just like sort of like throwing stuff up there and going now grade how we did, um, you know, sort of angle. But um, just because of the natural bias, we all have 
this belief. Okay, but like I'm talking to SEOs here, so maybe we all understand a little bit more of the truth. But even still, even knowing that there's a bunch of SEOs messing around with stuff, I tend to look at number one, two, and three as more authoritative than page 101, 102, 103, right? Like just naturally. So if you said, here's the number one site, let us know, there's going to be just this innate bias that Google has decided that this is good. And I use Google and they're pretty good most of the time, right? So there, there would be that, that uh, you know, sort of core bias. So if I was them, I wouldn't. And I assume that they've been at this rodeo long enough to know that they'd be biasing their own studies. Um, and what they want at the end of the day is some mechanism and, and, and some, some sort of systems that they can put into place to go, okay, when we send 10,000 human beings through, these are the features that exist on pages that tend to perform well by, by sort of a human sort of breakdown and, and rating system. So are ours, do, do they match up? Do, do ours match up? And I, in some cases, they probably are showing number one ranking pages. In some cases, they're probably showing 101, right? Just to like sort of blend it in there and go, if we're getting poor marks, right, on our on our own, right, is that something we need to address? But do I think, well, okay, I, I won't even say, do I think this? To be clear, <laughs> even if a number one ranked page was judged by a raider and that raider went, this is rubbish, nothing happens to that page. <laughs> like It's not like that some sort of like penalty is unleashed on that, on that page. Google uh, doesn't actually care what they think about the pages as of the topic of the pages. Google, Google cares about what they think about um, the pages in relation to how Google itself would rank them. Well, exactly. Like what, I mean, and of course I'm having to sort of make a, a pretty educated guess on what happens with this data, right? And that's not really outlined um, is, is sort of what happens post. So all of this is just speculation on my part, but it, it's really the only logical way it would work is they would then have to feed this into systems and then sort of build pseudo models or, or test models um, are based on what did these quality raters, like if we take these quality raters ratings and then we pull in all of the features, or I shouldn't say features, all of the signals that we're using and all of the weights that we're applying to them and go, okay, now let's take a look at what happens if we just cater to these 10,000, right? Like to these 10,000 people, they've all graded a bunch of stuff. Let's look at what all the weightings of all the signals are and let's test that. Let's, let's adjust our algorithms to favor those weightings in some way or another. And let's test that in some way. Now they wouldn't be like, putting everything entirely to their weighting system. But that's sort of how I view it is they would then put that out, then train their models around these conclusions after pulling in all of their signal data from those pages and going, which they probably already have, but um, pulling that in and going, okay, now let's adjust our model. Let's test that out. See, do they get improved click-through rates, user experience, you know, not that they use user experience metrics, but do users favor the results that they're being given now? If that happens, then deploy a, an adjusted algorithm. But that's where that tongue in cheek that you were referencing earlier, that's where that comes in. It's They're not impacting that number one ranking site with a poor rating, but over 10,000 people, <laughs> the entire yep. algorithm can be adjusted. See, because the Google quality raters aren't QCing websites themselves, even though they're kind of sort of QCing websites. Right. Ultimately, they're QCing Google. 
that's that's what they're doing. Yeah, they're rating the algorithm is basically what they're what they're doing. And in some cases, they may not. They might be being asked a few pages that have never even ranked for anything, right? They just like, I don't know, Google might just have like a randomizer, like one out of every 10 is just going to be some page for some query that ranked on page or like, yeah, some, some, yeah, page for a query that ranked on page 108, right? Like so far outside the index, it didn't matter. And let's just pull that in every now and then just for some random sampling, right? I would do that. Um, so it, it'll be, it, you know, and, and do, should that one be favored or is their algorithm working, right? Like it, it would be, I, I'd, I'd love to see how they train the models after the fact. Um, or it may also be a case of they do run that algorithm. They do train the models. They do then put their raters through it again to see if it is better, right? And then deploy, right? I mean, there, there may be many steps in, in all so of this problem. process. This is Google. Yeah. I'm sure it's Byzantine. At the end of the day, I'm sure it's really Byzantine for the, the uh, very bureaucratic experience. But at the end of the day, it you know is made to produce some um, better and better and better search results. Just wait till you see them start. Oh, my goodness. Google's about to break. Oh my God! Google's about to break. It's like search raters by making them with with mom. You know what's going to happen, Dave? Think about this. Think about this. Think about what mom does. It's going to turn them into couch potato web surfers like we were back in the early days. Do you remember when you would just follow stuff because it was interesting? You go from lake to lake to lake because that's where your interest took you. That's what mom is going to do to the quality raters. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, it, actually, it will be interesting to see what they have to do, right? Because part of their system will be, and then maybe they'll just give them the picture and go, okay, here's the picture you took. Here's the query, right? And now judge what's just happened on this page after, right? That, that you got or, or whatnot. Um, but it will be interesting because as soon as you start to allow the raider to interact with something, which as far as I know, they don't really do that very much. Uh, if, but if you let the raider do that, then the quality of the raider themselves and what they're doing would all of a sudden start to impact your results. Um, like, did they take a good picture, right? For example, um, you know, or, or were they thinking of a different bike part when they took that? Sorry to go back to that like, same example. Um, it's, it's a great example. Um, but yeah, it, it, at the it, it's really, really, it's an interesting, interesting document. Um, but I do think it is important to understand that it's a great guideline. Like what you're seeing is, the questions Google is making their people ask. And so you know that these are the questions that they themselves are asking. When they say, is this high value? How to grade this? And they're actually outlining how their raters would determine something that is high value. It doesn't mean all of those things are signals. In fact, none of them are probably direct signals, or at least many of them are probably not direct signals. But it gives you a good idea of what type of stuff they're looking for. And as they get better and better and better, they're gravitating closer and closer towards the signals that would surface the things they want to surface. Yeah. We have time for, for one more, um, more in-depth story. And you put one up just a few moments ago in, in, in our chat, and the headline itself just spins my brain. Google Ads announces machine learning-based data-driven attribution models in new privacy landscape. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So, Flock, the uh, federated uh, leanings of cohorts, um, is um, going the way of uh, Google Dodo Bird. Um, didn't Google uh, have a Dodo Bird once that went extinct? <laughs> um, uh, 
pretty sure they did. Anyway, um, that's Google has to come up with a better solution for um, data for for getting consumer and using consumer data and still protecting privacy because uh, Flock is disintegrating. So what's what's this DDA solution? What is machine learning based data driven privacy? Uh, Right. Oh, this one's actually a bit different. Sorry. Uh, you know what? And, and, and the whole thing is, is maybe a little bit misleading the way that it was worded here. Um, but what, what they're talking about here, people with larger campaigns will have encountered this already. People with smaller probably saw it, but probably saw it grayed out in their options. Um, I know because I was running campaigns and very frustratedly going, can't I test this thing out? Um, it, what it is, is a different attribution model for conversions. Um, so, oh my God, I misread the whole thing. Yeah, no problem. What, uh, but it is dealing with Flock because it doesn't require um, the same. It doesn't indicate as much information about an individual, um, right? Like, say, last click attribution. When I look at my conversions, if I had last click attribution models in place, if I looked at my conversions, I would actually be able to pull and went, okay, just my people who converted. What are their demographics? Where are they, et cetera? I can, I can extrapolate a little more information. Still nothing that like, I don't care if somebody has last click, they're not going to pull that much information on me because I've, I've seen what's in the back end. but it, it, it is more data. With the, um, with the new data-driven attribution model, you're basically just trusting their machine learning systems to go, we're going to look at everything that you're doing. Like, all of the different touch points involved. We're going to look at, did they come in direct? Did they come in via email? Did they come in via, like, here's all the different things. Their systems are going to assign a value. And every conversion still breaks down to one. Like with the last click attribution model, when you look at your conversions, you're going to see a bunch of whole numbers. It's going to be one, two, three, four. Like, because it's last click, only the last click is valued. So it gets the full weight of that conversion. Right. Then you get things like time decay or, or things like that, where the further back in time a touch point was, it has a lower value. But my last click might be worth 0.8. But they touched on social before that. And so that gets a 0.2. Right. So uh, where, where a conversion tends to come in um, as decimal points in, instead, because they're, they're not a, a conversion is actually divided among a, a few different things. With the data driven attribution, you're basically just trusting Google to go when a conversion happens. You look at all of the different things that are involved with making a conversion happen, all the touch points that you've seen, um, you know, contributing to conversions like this, you grade the importance of each one. So something two weeks ago might be highly valued versus something two days ago might have a low value because they've looked at over a large scale. That's how this tends to break down on, on your website, right? Without this sort of like more recent point as a reminder, conversions still tend to happen, right? It might be something related to like Boxing Day or something. Even if they didn't open up that email, you know, they saw you two weeks ago and, and on Boxing Day they bought, they didn't really need that email. It helped a little, but not much. So it would have a low contribution value into, into conversions. What they're going to be doing here is setting data-driven as a default, just fine. Um, but they are still going to enable all of the other different um, you know, sort of conversion types, linear time decay, all, all of that sort of stuff. Um, one of the things that I really hate, however, so, um, and it comes in for, for folks, head over to search engine land. It's, it's in the article um, right after their 
list of them, uh, like of all the different um, attribution models. Um, they have over the coming months, we'll be migrating existing conversion actions to DDA for many advertisers. Now that's the part I hate. Um, because what happens every time somebody is moving attribution models, like I've moved clients attribution models, when I take over um, your campaigns, a lot of them get sent over and they're a lot of them are last click, which I just don't understand um, because there's there's more touch points, but I'll end up switching their attribution model and it'll depend on, on what the measurement is. Usually it's position-based or time decay, but, um, and that's just my, my favorite, but I'll have to let the client know your things are about to change. We're measuring things differently now. You're going to have the same number of conversions, but you know, if all of a sudden it you see a drop like in different. Google ads, that's okay because we got them over here on organic. It's just, they searched organic and then we hit them with some remarketing ads. Right. But, but now we're not, that last click isn't counting as a full one. It's counting as like a 0.8. Right. And, and earlier I'm just making up the numbers there, but um, so what I don't like about this automation is a, you're telling a bunch of search advertisers what to do, which I just don't like. Like I've set my attribution models the way I have on purpose. Now I might want to put in DDA, but I might not. And I should have that choice. So send an alert and go, we can or not. Um, but I don't mind them setting it as a default moving forward. I think there's a lot of advantages to it. Um, you know, so because they can, I'm often guessing, like I went, yeah, usually it's time to get your position based. Yep. And usually it's just based on my instinct of what I think that pattern is. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I do trust their systems to be better. Uh, it will be really, really efficient for large, um, large, large campaigns. Like if you have a lot of traffic, um, they have a lot more data to work on rather than smaller ones. But I assume they're going to be going cross industry and going, we understand that you're in travel, <laughs> you're vacation rental. So here's what we see as our, as our patterns. Um, and they might even be able to make some interesting suggestions um, based on that. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, it's, it's an interesting one. But if you are in paid search, um, or if you have some paid campaigns, understand that they're about to change your attribution model. If you see things go wonky, um, that's probably just them. Um, and just check your attribution models. I, I assume they'll send out some kind of alert at the time. If they didn't, they'd probably get a lot of flack for it. So not flock, flack. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep our eyes open. And I'll let people know as soon as I see them starting to starting to do that. Okay, and on that, we have to leave it. We have gone full clock, like uh, 60 minutes of talk, which is up from our uh, usual 50, 50 to 55 minutes of talk. Um, yeah, 10% more, uh, 18% more web ecology here on WMFR. <laughs> um, 
So, friends, you have been listening. We we, we got to go. We've gone all the way around the clock. Uh, you've been listening to Webcology on uh, WMR.FM on the 30th of September, 2021. If you haven't gotten vaccinated, I could give you this whole long speech about <laughs> it. In fact, I have for several weeks now, like a year and a half. Just go do it. Like this is, there's no reason not to at this point. And if there is a reason, it's been debunked by somebody smarter than me. So go out there, please get it done. Save, save, save lives in our economy. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beast on Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on WMR.FM on the 30th of September, 2021. Be good to each other, rank well, be kind, and stick around to the network. More great content coming up after this. We'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed in this WMR.FM program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMR.FM. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.